Hi everyone, I'm Josh Uwe and I'm finally doing something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I'm creating this show where I can talk to different people from different backgrounds about any topic. For this episode, my very first episode, I'm going to talk to Chris Charles, an ASEAN Basketball League legend, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, two-time MVP, and an ABL champion. Uh, we wanted to make it more of a free-flow thing, uh, back-and-forth discussion, but due to some internet problems, uh, we couldn't really uh, do that. He's in Bangkok, I'm in Manila, but hopefully you still enjoy this. Here's my interview with Chris Charles. Hey Chris, uh, thank you for being my first guest. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. I'm uh, hanging in there, man. hope everybody's doing well on your end. Yeah, so... So before we talk about uh, all the basketball stuff, I think we need to talk about current situation. So here in the Philippines, we've been um, under community quarantine for at least three weeks now. Uh, where are you now and how's everything there? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Thailand. I'm in Bangkok. Um, they've, I, I think they've uh, like slowly started to make changes. It hasn't been as uh, strict as it has been there, as what I've seen. But they have like a, a nighttime curfew, but it, it isn't like a complete lockdown yet. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but mm. uh, uh, handling it. Yes. I think we need to talk about how this is affecting, you know, a lot of countries, but especially the sports world. Right. Uh, there's no sports at all. Right now, there's no NBA, there's no, um, even the local leagues here in the Philippines, the ABL, uh, they're, they're canceled or they're suspended. So how are you coping without no sports, without any games at all? Uh, it's, it's just a unique situation that we've never mm -hmm. been through to see this have this like, impact in every country, globally, just to see players. Uh, for me, like it's it's tough, but like I I had like a like a not similar situation, obviously, but like being injured and out for a time where I mm -hmm. couldn't like really run or like I kind of was in the house a little bit, so not to me to have like to be away from the game, um, mm -hmm. but just to see it impact everybody else has been like it's been crazy, like how guys haven't been able to like play and leagues just suddenly stop. Um, and when the ABL stopped, it was like, wow, this thing is, like, really, really serious. Actually, yeah. the league I was in here, I was playing in here, stopped because high tech, they went to South Korea. And then when they came up, it, the virus started picking up, like, uh, it was got more serious. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just been, like, devastating to see. Like, God, just – but at the same time, I think it's been good to give people a chance to, like, really appreciate the game and reflect and, and look back on, like, all right, this is something that's, like – Precious, especially like for younger players, have something. We've been talking about the entire situation, how it's affecting everyone about their jobs. And I don't think a lot of people realize also the athletes are very affected. Since there's no jobs, the leagues are suspended, they can't play. So how's your experience with it? And how's the stories of other friends, other athletes, uh, how are they coping with it? Um, 
yeah, like you said, like this impacts our, our livelihood, our ability to make money. Um, so I think I've seen like a lot of guys like trying to like, you know, pivot their, you know, um, view onto some things that how can they make money outside of the game? Like really um, just looking into ideas about other careers or investing into other things outside of the opportunity for guys to really think outside of um, the game, you know, and try to figure out, um, think about life after basketball. I mean, yeah, yeah. So I guess now we can talk about, you know, you've been um, an ABL all-timer, a top 10. You've been in the league for, what, the seven out of the 10 seasons of ABL. So I guess we can talk about your experiences in the ABL. Let's start with, uh, for the, a lot of teams, you, you played for a lot of teams. Who were the best teammates um, on and off the court? Man, it's been so many, so many awesome guys, man. So many people I've built relationships with. But um, as far as like a teammate, um, it's like they do things that you expect from from like a guy that's going to be the leader. And that means like uh, just bringing it every day in practice, working hard, encouraging your teammates, being good to people off the court. Uh, just a lot of different characteristics. I got to put like Steven up there um and mm. i think other guys would agree that that played with him um he's just he's just like so unselfish he's like keeping guys together joking around and like uh he knows when to be serious and whole guy enough like when we first started in ABL, we was like fierce competitors like people thought we'd be able to play together because we we had like a lot of like uh tense moments playing against each other but we really fit together when we play I, I put him up top teammates and uh, Xavier uh, Alexander. He's also like a really good uh, team. Um, he has the ability to to like uh, like manage personalities. You know, that's how to get the best out of how to get him. Um, and it's just like a natural thing for him. like he he just knows how to get, bring that out of players. So those those two guys I put up there is like really good, really mm-hmm. good leaders and, and teammates. Yeah, since you mentioned, but it's team, a long. I go. On, that's a long list. I, yeah, but those are just two guys off the top of my head. I know we didn't plan to talk about this, but since you mentioned Savior, uh, I'm just wondering why do you think that they've been in the finals for? what, the last three out of four finals? But they haven't really reached the championship. They didn't have a championship season yet. What do you think is lacking or what do you think they need to do in order to get over that hump? I don't think that they were missing anything in that. I don't think they were missing anything in that, in that series. You know, I think it was just you catch bad breaks during the course of a game and, uh, you know, CLS – way long, hit that shot, he happened to be, you know, the, the from Singapore national team, he kind of is like storybook type of thing, man. Yeah. Um, but I, as far as that that year, I don't think we're missing anything. I think, you know, they were they had, you know, great chemistry. The locals have always been solid. Um, but I think it says a lot about, about X and the organization, you know, that they, they've been able to continue to go, go there. It's just like 
people don't understand how hard it is to to, mm-hmm. to get over you know the hump but it says a lot about the organization about x you know they keep they keep bringing him back he's an mvp um he has a good rep, uh, relationship with the locals i think they're always right there you know even uh, this past year, they, they were struggling with the chemistry a little bit, um, but they were always, you know, competitive, and you never know what happened. But like I said, I just think it was just like, man, it just was, you know, way long hit that shot. It just was something yeah. from like a, a movie. Thing. They were right there. Yeah, I was there in the building. I was working for the ABL at that time. And you can feel the energy just being sucked out of the building when way long hit that shot. We all thought that Singapore had it. It was complete shock when the buzzer... Uh, sounded but yeah I agree with you it was just a tough break for them okay um so you've played with a lot of players both imports and locals who were the most hardest to guard um throughout your career maybe because they they, they were fast or they were strong who were the who were the people who were hardest to guard uh just in recent memory, recent memory, I think a tough uh, guard is uh, Will Artino from Malaysia. Mm. I think he, I think because like his level of like intensity, he's always bringing energy. He's always like you can't you can't let up on him. He's always playing hard and his versatility. Like he can shoot and he has you know he has, he's gonna go to his left hand. That's like his his move, mm. but he, he he continuously gets it off guys you know what I mean he's relentless with that so I think with his versatility man he's, he's a tough he's a tough guard tough uh some, somebody that's just tough to um to kind of to guard because he's versatile um I can't think of anybody else right now but that's one of the guys in recent memory that I remember like I respect you know what I'm saying he could he could go so over your playing years in the CM basketball league is has there been any player that has given you extra motivation when you're facing them? When you see that uh, matchup in the schedule, is there someone that you're hyped up to play or you want to prove yourself? Or just basically there's just that extra push to, to play better against them? Um, like back when in the beginning, back in the beginning of my career, like my first year, mm-hmm. um, when we used to play the Indonesia, these are warriors. Like they had, you know, they had. They, I said they were like the bad boys, you know, of the, of the ABL, like the Pistons mm-hmm. bad boys of the ABL. They had like Stephen Thomas. They had Mario. They had Stanley Pringle. Even though he was he was injured, um, but they had like just so much talent, and they played with a certain amount of toughness. And Coach Todd Purves had them playing like like the college team. You know what I mean? Like really mm-hmm. organized together. So like, and me and Stephen Thomas had this thing, man, because he was just like. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? He was like the, the bully of the league. Yeah. Everybody was like intimidated by us. I used to look for him. I used to be up to him. And then uh, again, like the Phil- just playing in the Philippines, it's not like one particular player, but like they always are like, you know, they powerhouse in the region. Mm-hmm. So like whenever you play there, just the atmosphere is different. It's a different type of energy of the fans, uh, you know, the locals, everybody. It's just like a, it's just a basketball. A great ba- basketball atmosphere. Where I will always get up for that. Like that was something I was. I couldn't wait to 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 perform in the Philippines. Yeah. So you know, whenever I watch uh, interviews of NBA players, they talk about the greatest trash talkers in the NBA. How Gary Payton and Michael Jordan trash talk on the court. 
is there any ABL player that really talked a lot or that did a lot of trash talk while playing? That, you know, uh, maybe got, got under yeah. your skin for a bit. Yeah. Can you name names? Well, Moses, stuff, and it's just like, it's not the, I love it, like the stuff that he says. And at the times that he chooses to say it, like it, it'll it'll bother me. So like, uh, it it not bother me, but it's like it's, it's something that I take notice of. Like, all right, man, like Moses is a real competitive dude. We played against each other. We played with each other. Um, it's one of my good friends in in the um in the league. But he he's he's like, but it's more so to get his teammates hyped up. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? He'll say some stuff to get his teammates hyped up. But I feel like it'll be directed towards like indirect. The opponent, but he'll say it to it like his teammates, you know what I'm saying, to get him hyped up. But uh like just recently, like him played against him a couple of times and he's he said some things. But yeah, Moses Moses Morgan talks. Mm. He's a he's a vocal guy. Steven Thomas, you teach Steven Thomas. I know I'm, I'm talking about Steve a lot, but like he's I've just having experience with him, play played with him and against him for so long. He talks, he talks a lot, he talks crazy. So uh yeah, those guys. But a lot of, a lot of people it's not as uh like prevalent as you would think it would be. Like a lot of times guys talk like to their teammates, get their teammates mm. hyped up. Okay. Do you ever talk back when someone's talking trash? Do you ever talk back? Yeah. Yeah, but I I really don't get into it that much, man, because a lot of times I'm in my I'm in my own head. But mm. I will I will respond. You know what I mean? I will respond, but uh I try to keep it, keep it poised and even kill. That's just like some people they thrive off of that. I thrive off of it, but like not putting it out, just not, I internalize it. Yeah. But I will say something back. Yeah. So you've been, like I said, in the ABL for what seven of the past ten seasons? Is that right? Uh, or at least you've played for for seven seasons in the ABL. Um, Going forward, do you think there's anything that ABL could improve or could make it more interesting or better? How can the ABL grow in the next 10 years, in your opinion? Uh, first, I, I got to say, I think they've done, a, they've done an incredible job of every year getting yeah. better. And, and, uh, but I think one of the things that, that could make them improve uh, as far as just like uh, – just getting it, mixing it up and making it a little bit more interesting and fan engagement is they used to have this thing called the Hoop Fest. They did it mm. um, my first year in the ABA. It was kind of like an all-star weekend type thing, where, but we played games. All the teams came into Vietnam. We played games. They had like a three-point competition, a dunk contest. I think if they expand on that, um, maybe the all-star game, kind of have like an all-star weekend, you know what I mean? Um, now with so many countries involved, I think it would really get fan engagement up. It would add some interesting things. They could have like a skills competition. There's some fans involved in that. Some mobile, like low level in the hoop fest. Yeah, a thing that, to maybe have is like all can. Okay, now shifting from the ABL to the NBA, uh, I read somewhere that Shaq talking about Duncan that. Duncan was more of a product of the team of Coach Pop. You being a big man yourself and a pro basketball player, 
can you weigh in on that? Um, do you agree with Shaq or do you have your own opinions about it? It's just an interesting like, thought uh, coming from Shaq. Um, in, that, in that particular instance, like what he was talking about, I think uh, I, I do believe that certain players thrive better in certain situations mm-hmm. if you put a, a guy, like if you would have put certain guys in a culture that's different where it's not as tight knit or they don't have things flowing as easily as mm-hmm. they, they might get, they, they might not uh, flourish the way they would. I see that experience that myself would, you know, uh, feel more uh, productive in one system than I did in the other. But I still, you still got to be able to, a good player is going to be able to perform in any uh, situation. So I think any greatest power forward of all time, I feel like any situation that he was placed in, he would have thrived in or he would have made it. And I think that like people underestimate what he contributed to Mm -hmm. make a lot of the cultures as, as well. Like, you know, it's not just even from the management and, and like their their uh, the coaches that go on to coach in other places they have established something. But I think also like the players, you have to give him credit to to building the culture there too. Like he was a leader there. He was a guy that that helped contribute to the thing. So I feel like if he would have went somewhere else, they were saying he would have went to Orlando or something. He he would have had success there as well. And I don't know about the championships, you know what I mean? But as far as just him as an individual player and what he means to the game. I feel like he still would have had an impact. It's just like, but I, I do agree that like, um, not a hundred percent, but I think he would have been you know, successful everywhere he went. And, and I think Shaq said something like, if you would have put Chris Webber in that situation, it would have been the same. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that, I just think you can't compare those two as far as like, uh, uh, like, I, I just, I just don't, I don't yeah. agree with like what he said about. I don't agree what he said about Tim Duncan. Because yeah, right. it kind of discredits some of this that, that Tim did. Man. But that's Shaq, you know, his yeah. entertainment. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think the Spurs were dispersed also because of Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, so we're at the tail end of our conversation. I'd just like to ask you, who are the players in your NBA Mount Rushmore uh, who are the best players of all time? Your top four. Top four, top four. Um, that's tough, man. It changes, like, it shifts. It depends, but off the top, man, like, I think uh, I put Kareem, Kareem up there. Um, I feel like he gets overlooked a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be appreciated. Like, once people – you have to really go back and, and look at his entire career, man, from high school. Um, he was always a winner. Um, what he meant to the game, man, I, both on and off the court. Um, who else? Uh, Le, uh, LeBron. I put LeBron up there. I know that's going to be like a, a controversial mm-hmm. one. I don't want to leave anybody off, but like he's just, he's still doing his consistency and his longevity. Um, uh, and what he is is like the new athlete, what he represents. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, he's improving so many. Uh, different things within the game, and then Jordan. Uh, what can you say, yeah. man? That's that's MJ, man. Yes, man. Um, that last one is tough, man. Um, that last one is tough, man. Uh, uh, probably uh, Kobe. Probably Kobe. Good choice. <laughs> Put a big man there, and like, but it changes. Like it changes. It varies. Who is your Who is your Bob Rushmore? 
mine um uh, David Jordan I wasn't a LeBron fan but I think I have to put LeBron I have to be honest I have to put LeBron there um just because of bias growing up I watched him Kobe Bryant and I don't know uh maybe maybe Kareem could be there uh who else uh maybe Shaq I don't know <laughs> so yeah it's a hard question that's why I'm asking you the pro basketball player so maybe we can uh just one more question before we end that good okay okay um so you've been playing for a long time now you have success um you've won championships MVPs what can you what advice can you give to young players who want to play basketball for a living who plans to go pro play overseas uh what are your advice for them so that they can have a successful career this is a given you have to you have to always work you always have to put the work in um to 10,000 hours you know what i mean like and more you always have to be working on your craft that's the obvious that's like the price of admission that's that's you got to do that but aside from just putting in the work i think uh like what we were talking about before like how i said if you put a good players in any situation they'll be able to adapt i think that you know um young players have to understand that um they have to be able to perform in any situation that they're put in when especially as a pro and as a as an import um if you don't perform right away you can get sent home so you have to be able to adapt to different situations and so if that means before you go to a team you have to do your homework like what does this team need from me what does uh what type of personnel do they have what is the coach's style like really you got to be a nerd about your craft so like mm-hmm. just research and, and do due diligence on like what what situation am I being placed in and then as far as just like i think one thing that gets overlooked and i talked about this before man is just like uh being able to to be a good teammate like be a good person off the court being and that doesn't mean you have to like be fake or anything but try to interact with people and be personable mm-hmm. and like for me i'm a shot like i'm I'm a laid back dude, but I tried to find ways to to connect with people and my teammates um because that goes far, man. It's a lot of talented players, a lot of good um skilled players, you know what I mean, athletes, but what you do as far as like your leadership and getting getting along with people and, and caring about your teammates, encouraging them. So just like focus on a lot of the off the court stuff because that pays off um just in the long term as far as having relationships with people and at the end of the day that's what basketball is about man is is having relationships and, and and building memories and that's how you get it it's yeah. from like the championship team i was on we were close off the court you know what i mean and it wasn't like fake you know i mean we just found ways to hang out with each other and it, and it carried over into the court so i would encourage young players to like uh take into account what it means to be a, like a a good person off the court leadership and then uh the hard work stuff you already got to have that I mean to be a pro um but the off the court stuff is important. Yeah, that's good advice. Um so last question before I let you go. Uh, I think a lot of people are wondering what's your future plans? Do you, do you still plan to play for a lot of years? What's your plan after basketball? What are you working on outside the court? Um so like my goal is to keep, like you say continue to play for a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Um 
but off the court, especially now, this is really give. This has been like a blessing to disguise as far as having time to really uh, redirect some of my attention on cultivate basketball, which is like um, my venture that I'm working on right now. As far as like I've, I've done like camps throughout Southeast Asia, kind of like outreach programs, connecting to communities, and uh, just giving back my knowledge and, and passion for the game, and, and just uh, finding new and uh, unique ways to, to teach kids basketball, but also, like I said, about the off-the-court stuff. I talk to them about meditation, about nutrition, about leadership, about, like, proper sleep, all these things that it takes to be, like, a, uh, an athlete, you know what I mean, but also a person, a more complete person. So that's what, you know, cultivated basketball is about. I hope to do one in the Philippines um, mm-hmm. once this thing got So, yeah, that's that's my next, my next thing is trying to get some things going with Know, cultivate basketball. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for being my first guest in this new thing that I'm thank doing. Uh, hope to see you soon. Take care, okay? Hey, thank you so much, man. And be safe, man. And good luck. Good luck. Thank you. So that's it for my very first episode. Thank you to Chris Charles. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Thank you for his time. I hope you like it. Uh, comment and subscribe. Let me know. Who do you want me to interview next? Uh, What topic? And I'll try to do it for you. Uh, So see you again next time, guys.